can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler. Victor Davis Hanson is the star and the namesake, and he is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. We could talk three hours today, Victor. We could do three podcasts just on Joe Biden and the documents. But <laughs> let's just let's talk a lot about him. And then there's some other things to talk about. There's a war in the Ukraine. We've got the Dobbs leak, right? Has still not not been uh, uncovered and probably never will be. So there's plenty to discuss. And we'll get to the Biden stuff right after these important messages. <laughs> Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org justnews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advice fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. 
We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Victor, Joe Biden, who was out in your neighborhood recently um, out there in California. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that at some point in this podcast. It uh, says um, no regrets. There's no there there about where these documents, these classified documents ended up, how they ended up. Victor, there's so many aspects of this. There is controversy and you can pick them apart and do whatever you want. The listeners want to just hear Victor talk. But if I can say this to me, there's the search and how this search for the document has been compromised. There's the China angle on all this. Uh, I sent you uh, this document that that uh, Lindsey Graham had put out that, that UPenn has gotten $70 million from Red China. Yeah, he worked uh, for the Chinese. He just had a front man called the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, pay, but and then there may... And there may be another front with the University of Delaware because there's yeah. a Biden institute. No, there's there. two Biden centers. They yeah. never taught a class at either one of them. Yeah. And then there's the, you know, the media, the, the media interest in this. Uh, why all of a sudden? Yes. And when will it win? So yes. you have at it, Victor. Tucker Carlson has been pounding that point. I think I made it in a column two weeks ago. There's a reason why. Suddenly, the heartthrob of that Washington incestuous press from Kareem. Jean-Pierre is all of a sudden frazzled, off-putting, obnoxious, stonewalling, and she's getting feedback. Because Why are they doing that? Because they're willing to go with the Hunter laptop disinformation lie. They were willing to go with the Russian collusion lie. They were willing to go with the Nunes uh, majority report was flawed lie. They, they, they lie all the time. Not now. There's, and... I think Tucker has it more or less right that Biden, I mean, he, he was kneeling on one, you know, did you see him on TV? Was it the Warriors or the Golden State or whoever it was in that photo op? He was kneeling on one knee. Right. Like he was some kind of game, game, game of Thrones minor uh, vassal or something. But he, he's starting to get embarrassing is what I'm trying to say. And he's going to, he's peaked at about 43, 44 with all of his supposedly uh, strong momentum. I don't know what he's done. He's just borrowing more money and more money. And he didn't lose the midterms, I guess, in the Senate as it was supposed to or as bad. And they've tried to, you know, make him into aviator Joe that he's confident. But the, po the point I'm making is they're starting to leak and they feel that his time has passed. In other words, he served a vital function as an empty vessel to carry across a Marxist neo-socialist agenda, the Elizabeth Warren, the Obama, the squad, the Bernie Sanders agenda, which we're suffering from right now, and give it a, a thin patina of respectability and old Joe Biden from Scranton. And then he was supposed to sort of, you know, just go through the motions, which he did. But he can't go through the motions anymore. So they find him expendable and they'll look for somebody else. I don't know who that will be because maybe it'll be Kamala Harris. I have a, a hard time ditching a vice president that you announced in advance that you wanted a black woman. You got a black woman and suddenly you're going to get rid of her. That'll be very difficult to pull off, except she's so obnoxious that her black supporters that feel that race is the end of everything it's the touchstone of everything they'll they will probably support her 
to the very end. As far as Joe Biden, there's just a general rule. Every single time, NPR, PBS, CBS, NBC, New York Times, Washington Post, MSNBC, CNN says the following. Of course, there is no correlation between the Biden intelligence uh, shortcoming and the Trump. And when they do that, that is surety that there is uh, a great deal of difference, but not the great deal of difference that they think. Right. The great, it's much worse. And this is the reason why. And people have, have hit this nail so much that Donald Trump is a, was a president. He had a whole post-president security detail. Joe Biden wasn't. And you can say that, you know what, I declassified him. I didn't, you know, maybe you can argue whether he left a formal memo or whatever, but that is in theory possible. The second thing is when you look at that garage deck, you're trying to tell me that's easier. It, it's easier to get into Mar-a-Lago. I've been to Mar-a-Lago. Not, I didn't see Trump there. I went uh, for a dinner, had nothing to do with Trump, but believe me, it's got a lot of security. Right. You're, they're trying to convince us that a person who wanted to improperly look at or examine papers uh, would find it easier to get into Mar-a-Lago than that garage. That is absurd. And number three is that the FBI, the FBI made a whole phony photo op. They were everywhere. They had a raid. They put the papers and scattered them to make it look like Trump had done. They didn't do any of that. They didn't even contact. They just let the, the lawyers handle everything who had no security clearances. And then Merrick Garland said he couldn't address these questions because he wasn't going to leak. That was supposedly why we didn't hear it during the midterms. Ongoing investigation. That didn't stop them with Trump. No sooner had the FBI gone in there than the DOJ and the FBI were leaking that it was nuclear codes, nuclear secrets. Donald Trump may wanted may have wanted to monetize and sell things. He had letters that were embarrassing, they said, from Kim Jong-un. We heard all of these crazy things. None of them ever substantiated. None of them ever apologized for. And that was very different. And then as far as commenting on an ongoing investigation, the president of the United States said on 60 Minutes when he was asked, what do you think of Donald Trump handling of classified documents? And he should have said, this is an ongoing investigation of my administration. And I can't comment on it. Instead, he said it was unfathomable. It was you know, he just attacked Trump right in the middle. Trump's not guilty yet of anything. I don't think he ever was guilty. And so I could go on and on, but it's much different. And another thing is Donald Trump is a likely, I don't know, well, he is a candidate and he could be a nominee and he would be running against Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the president. He has a conflict of interest. So the president sent the FBI into the home of a likely uh, potential, whatever term we use, presidential rival in 2024. But Joe Biden was investigating himself, his own DOJ, the, his own FBI, his own lawyers. That was all an in-house operation. So he, there was no reciprocity. He didn't say, the way that I treat my potential rival in the next election is going to be the way that I treat myself. 
I'm going to, in other words, it was, I'm going to punish this guy and make him look like a blank, blank idiot. And I'm not going to do anything because I can, can, I can get away with it. So it's just so asymmetrical. And it's just the way that these people grasp for straws and they try to plead, they know, you know, that they're embarrassed and they would have been better off just stonewalling it like they did the Hunter laptop. Right. I don't know why they didn't call up twi- the old Twitter or Facebook, the new, the present Facebook, or tell Google, "Hey, Google, make sure on the searches you don't have anything about that comes up about uh, the Biden garage." Or, "Hey, Mark, right. you gave four nineteen million. Why don't you just work with the FBI and squash these stories?" I, that's the way they usually do it, and so. There must be some kind of internal rivalry within that White House or that administration or DNC where half of them want to use the bureaucracy and weaponize it uh, to preserve Joe Biden. And the other half wants to weaponize it to get rid of him. Victor, do you think the search itself of the Biden documents, which I, I I don't think of any I'm of any heightened intelligence than anyone else listening to the show but uh, but it 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 really shocks me how i'll say corrupt the investigation seems to be so far but you think it's too nuanced for much of america to care about like yeah you know, we send in these guys who are most lawyers who get all their fingerprints yes. all over yeah i think they they don't the details are not yet it's like watergate remember water people forget that watergate was known uh it was known before the 72 Nixon re-election, and he won by a landslide. In fact, I think that was the largest uh, victory of any presidential candidate. In it was. Yes. And they knew about Watergate. It had, I think it had been reported in August, but it didn't register. This hasn't registered. But like Watergate, it's not the actual burglary, to use a trite phrase. This thing is opening up discussions of things they don't want to be discussed. And you, one of them is this multi, multi-million dollar gift that was fronted by the University of Pennsylvania, who's like a mafioso consortium, skimmed off their their percentage, and they put, put this phony think tank, and then the Bidens were at the trough, along with the potential Biden uh, government in waiting. And it was funded in large part by the Chinese. And so that is something that will have to be investigated. The other thing that people aren't talking about yet is the papers go from the White House to the Biden Center, which has been inert for a long time. And we're talking about six years. Another asymmetrical point is that Trump's papers were only out of there for about a year and a half when all this started to break, maybe a year and three quarters. But this stuff has been going on for almost seven years. These these papers have been exposed and they've been sloppily kept. But nobody has explained yet how the papers went from the White House. Some of them went to the Biden Center. Some of them went to the Biden home. Some went to a room in the Biden home. Some went to the uh library some went to the carvet garage and then we get another something that's much more incriminating as the chinese um, 
conduit is, and that is that Hunter Biden was paying to rent his own father's home, $50,000. I'm sorry, but you don't rent houses in Delaware for $50,000 a month. And some of that, there's been some discussion that the exact sum shows up on some documents, which suggests that maybe he was laundering uh, the Hunter Biden, Burisma, uh, China, Russia shakedown, Ukraine shakedown, and giving the money to his father, while at least on one affidavit, he claimed that he owned it, the house, which Joe Biden is on record that he owned. And then it's a very simple matter to see if Joe Biden reported that income, which Hunter Biden apparently did and as a rental fee. And I don't think he did. The preliminary report said he said it was something like 19,000. I don't know what it was, but it, he vastly and deliberately under that's tax fraud. So there's uh, tax fraud. There's a Chinese connection. And then we right. haven't got to the $64,000 question. What's that? Why did he have these documents out in so many places and what was on them? All they will say is they can speculate from A to Z on Trump, but they will only say, well, there was a matter of Ukraine and there was a matter of of, of China and there was a matter of, I think it was the U- oh, uh, Iran, Ukraine and the UK. But my point is, why did what, what were the papers? I know they're going to say it's classified, but can't they tell us what was the general area of concern? Why did the Bidens and did, why did the Bidens have access to it? And was Hunter Biden? He was apparently living in this house where these papers were unsecured and they kept moving around. I mean, it's 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 in, it's consistent with the Biden modus operandi of Ashley Biden's uh, mobile diary and Hunter's uh, multiple laptops that keep getting lost. So I guess what I'm trying to say in this circumlocution is, did Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or Joe Biden's brother use classified documents to bone up on classified information about foreign governments by which they thought it would give them an edge or an advantage in their transactions. And that's what I'd like to know. I think everybody would. Because if that's true and Hunter and the Biden family don't have security clearances. I don't know if Joe Biden has a security clearance. I'm not acquainted with the law that if a vice president for the rest of his life has a security clearance or not, or it has to be renewed. But the point I'm making is there was a reason why they took those documents out and they haven't given us a convincing explanation. They said he was frazzled. It was a rush or he was going to write his memoirs which he did and had him ghostwritten. So uh, there's some things they don't want to talk about. Otherwise they'd be transparent. They would have said, yeah, this is what happened. You yeah. know, or they would have just announced before the election and said, you know what, that we found some papers. We called the FBI. They went over and got them. Big deal. Everybody, you know, Hillary and Trump and me, and we all, we all get confused by the law, but the FBI went in and got them and they, they have them. And, and it's no big deal. He would have said it that on November 2nd when they notified the DOJ. Should have got on that day. Didn't well, um, that by the way, on, on the, the Biden family, I saw a clip the other night on Fox. I don't know what show it was, but it was another brother, Frank, who's down in Florida. I think he's probably low rent compared to to uh, uh, Jim Biden, but he's getting his beak wet um, by 
uh, involvement with the, the family enterprise and using the brother's name and, and, you know, minorly grifting. And then the sister, Valerie, runs that Biden Institute at the University of Delaware, which I, I've got to be confident <laughs> there are people on the right who are trying to see, well, what is what money is China and or Ukraine or whatever hell else giving to that institution? And how is that filtering uh, down? You know, the funny thing about this is we're all talking about this and it's in the news and it's been going on since Peter. I think Peter Schweitzer was the first person to break it. He did. He had a great book. He, he, He didn't. Yeah. He didn't get enough credit about the Burisma. And we had that strange talk. Was it in Massachusetts at Boston University or was it somewhere where Biden said, oh, son of a bitch, I got that guy fired. I threatened to get him fired. That's that brag about how he was uh, mad at the Ukrainian prosecutor that might have been investigating, I guess, his son or his family. And he was bragging how he withheld foreign aid, much more egregious than anything that got Trump impeached for. But my point is that this has been going on so long. And if you ask the, the normal person, they'll say, yeah, he's corrupt. If you look at the houses he has, the lifestyle he has, the money he has, it's, it doesn't make sense. He couldn't do it in just the period of um, 2017 until he was a candidate. There wasn't enough time as a private citizen for the first time to make that huge amount of money, though he tried. And so my point is that China does not give that amount of money to a former vice president unless they think there's a 50-50 chance that he will be a presidential candidate and maybe president, and it's going to be money wisely invested. And, of course, Joe Biden has backed off from the Trump confrontational uh, attitude toward China, and we'll see. But the family is obviously utterly corrupt. We have the evidence that's on this this crazy laptop. When it's Hunter when Hunter complains that nobody understands what he's done for the family and that he's paying Joe Biden's bills, and we now know that he paid him fifty thousand dollars a month in, to launder uh, this this I guess I don't know what this shakedown family business. He gave fifty thousand, right. and then, then he calls him the big guy and the 10% guy. I mean, what more evidence do you need? He's utterly corrupt. And the other thing about Joe Biden is people keep forgetting. They're always shocked how mean an SOB he is that he tells Peter Ducey, you're a stupid son of a bitch, or he makes fun of people. They all said Trump did, but Trump talked to everybody. He couldn't keep out of the limelight. He wanted to talk to every reporter he could see. This guy insults people. He's mean. He's an egocentric narcissist. Every story is about him. Joey, my pop said Joey. My brother said Joey, Joey, Joey. And then it's always this braggadocio about corn pop and slamming the guy's head on a lunch counter and the Walter Mitty stories of the semi- the long haul semi truck driver, the yeah, he be, he BS Navy that uh, everything Martin Luther King the, the other uh, speech the other yeah, day he, he BS again about going to to uh, yeah and he does again, this. what he does say, is nobody remembers him all of his lies he's so senile that all of his lies that sank his previous two presidential runs which he had to apologize he regurgitates but he takes away the apologies so he's back now claiming that he was a long 
Paul Tucker. He's back saying that he was a marquee college football player. He's back saying that he was arrested uh, in South Africa. He's back saying that he was an active civil rights. There's a tape of him that said, you know, I w- oh, okay, I'm sorry. I really wasn't a civil rights activist, as I implied. Now he's he's back to it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, do you know how do you how you say Biden in Italian? No, I don't. Uh, Corleone. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's, last... an, that's an insult to the Corleone. <laughs> True. <laughs> One last thing, Victor, uh, about Joe Biden. You, uh, I know you recorded a podcast with uh, Sammy where you talked about the uh, climate and weather situation out in California. But Joe Biden was out there to discuss that, amongst other things. You, and you, you had a couple of re- remaining thoughts you want to get in. Yeah. You know, this, this is what's happening in California. We've never seen such a concentrated trough of storms that just keep coming in. And almost every day since before Christmas, it's rained. And now we have not just about double the normal precipitation for this time of year, but double for the entire year, the seasonal year. And yet, when you look at this very sophisticated, but ossified and now inert, because it hasn't been expanded, it hasn't been kept up, but it was a jewel in the 1970s of these reservoirs. They're not full, Jack. They're not even at the 75% where you cap them and you prepare for storage for the snowmelt. They're way down. They're at 55. I went by the San Luis Reservoir. It's way down. And so what's, what's happening is they're letting the water, these flood level uh, delusion, they're going out to the ocean. They're not banking them. And the reason they're not, because they are wedded to a drought. And why are they wedded to a drought? Because they want control. They want to dismantle the agricultural uh, multi-billion dollar west side and cut off their water and let it revert to a natural valley fever, tumbleweed, uh, dirty, dusty place that it was when I grew up before irrigated agriculture came. And they want to cling to this myth of man-made global warming is going to destroy the planet in 5, 10, 15, fill in the blanks. And therefore, you have to give us all this power to outlaw natural gas stoves in California, natural gas heating, which is now outlawed. It's going to be in new homes. Uh, diesel big trucks and pickups are going to be out. You've got to give us this power, but you can't, you can't believe the drought is over because the reservoirs are half empty. And when summer comes, we're going to be right back with 40 million people. And so in other words, what I'm getting at, we passed a ballot, Prop 1, years ago that said build three big reservoirs. And that was in there. And they just they stonewalled it as the executive administrative swamp state did, just sort of broke the law and t- mired in lawsuits. And so what I'm getting at is they deliberately don't care about the lives of 40 million people. They don't want to bank water that would be precious. It'll be 110 here in Fresno County in August. And I mark my words, they will say that we're in a drought, even though these reservoirs will, they'll be full, but they could have been full all the way to December of next year or January. And what I'm getting at is they're wedded to this idea. So Joe Biden comes out and without missing a beat, it's, it's climate change. When he came out last time, 
It was climate change because of the drought. So how can you win? It's a historic drought, and it will never be back to a normal weather power because of climate change. Take a deep breath. It's a historical flood stage, California. It's wet, and this is chaotic, and it's because of climate change. How do you win? Every single slight aberration from a historic norm is climate change. Too cold, climate change. Too hot, climate change. Too wet, climate change. Too dry, climate change. And that's what's disturbing about it. And he just, he didn't come out here and say, how can I help uh, store water in California? Should I turn on the pumps? So the Federal Central Valley Project, which is merged with the California Water Project, can start moving water from a wetter north northern California through the delta into the aqueduct and fill up as quickly as possible San Luis Reservoir. Can I do that? Can I give you some federal money to finish Temperance Flat or the Sites Reservoir in Sacramento River or maybe Los Banos Grandes down the road from San Luis? Can I do that? He doesn't say anything. Just climate change. In the discussion, we're helpless. Climate change. And that, that's how they do this. And it's it's starting to affect everybody, I think. I think that when you, you have a shortage of water when it's raining or you have a shortage of affordable fuel when you're sitting on the Monterey uh, shelf of natural gas and oil, it's huge. Or when you're short of money to pay for electricity at 30 cents a kilowatt and you just plan to dismantle a nuclear plant, you dismantle two prior ones, then people are saying it's not in the stars, it's in us. We're deliberately in a suicidal pattern. We're, we're destroying ourselves. And so this guy came right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And somebody just said, climate change, Joe, just say climate change. Don't get into storing water or helping the state. So that's what he did. And then they asked him some questions, of course, softball questions, actually, about the documents and papers and everything's OK. Move on. There's no problem. And I guess what he's saying. No, is, they're it's, there. It's my DOJ. It's my FBI. And it's not Trump. So yeah. we sit, we send the FBI after Trump. We don't let his lawyers adjudicate what's uh, secure and what's we leak. We photo op and uh, we use the press to demonize. And we don't do that with me. And I'm president. Therefore, I can do it. These people, I think everybody should listen that these people, as I keep saying, I know I'm getting a broken record, but these people are dangerous and they are not Bill Clinton Democrats, which is bad enough. They're not even Obama Democrats. And they're certainly not great society, naive liberals like LBJ or Hubert Humphrey. These are these are uh, Jacobins, French revolutionaries. They are Stalinist. They're Orwellian and they're very, very dangerous people and they're disciplined and they're organized and they 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 have right. all during Russian collusion. Somebody said the word the operative word is bombshell for the Nunes memo or bombshell for, I don't know, uh, the PP tape. And then all of a sudden you just turn on CNN, MSNB, bombshell, Donald Trump urinated in a hotel in Moscow, bombshell. And then it was the operative word this week is walls are closing in, walls are closing in, walls are closing in, walls are closing That's how they operate. 
little automatons. They remind right. me of commissars. You remember they had the, that journal list scandal from yes. several, several years back where everyone actually did get a memo. <laughs> and here's here's the, you know, the song sheet. Oh, they to did. Sing off. There was no downside for all those journalists. Then in addition to the journalists, there was the Podesta email. Remember, he used the word password for his password. And when yeah. they hacked into it, there were all those New York Times and these Washington Post people that were emailing Hillary Clinton and her and Podesta. Uh, what should I say about the campaign? And then was it the guy that was at the he he got promoted after that to the New York Times? He said, I know I'm a hack for doing this, but can you give me some talking points that I can use in a story as if he he did that? So it was pretty embarrassing. It had no effect whatsoever. They don't even make an effort anymore. And so that's why you have to be you have to. It's legitimate to say that if they're asking a, anything other than a T-ball question to Joe Biden, there's a reason for it. It's either that they're embarrassed of him and he's a liability now. Or there is a move, a more calculated backroom donor move to get him out. Not because they're embarrassed. They're not embarrassed of him. If he was up at 60% right now and he was just babbling more than he is now, they would be fine with him. Yes. But they're embarrassed because he's down at 43 and he supposedly had a good good month. And he, so they're going to, I think a lot of people are just, the only quandary now is who do they replace him with? Yeah, well, enter Michelle. Well, Victor. Absolutely. Um, the last thing Rush Limbaugh said, I mean, I used to talk, text with Rush almost every night. He kept saying that in his text. He was very astute, prescient guy. Yeah. Uh, everybody thought he was an entertainer, but he was had a he had a political um, sixth sense. And I remember he said, remember, Michelle is in is in waiting. And Obama wants a third term because he is considered now passe by these people. And he was right about that. Yeah. Well, she would be another opportunity for people to prove that they aren't racist, as what happened with Obama in 2008. How many people like, oh, thankfully, I can put a lawn sign on and show I, know it. Yes. I am uh, the virtue signal. They can, signaling they can is, take their uh, Ukraine. This house is for Ukraine sign. There's no racism in this house sign and substitute it with never been proud of my country. They always raise the bar on me. Right. Uh, this is a downright mean country. We got we to read her uh, her dissertation. Well, speak, you mentioned Ukraine, Victor, and that's another topic we were going to get to today. And it looks like, uh, you know, there's a Russian offensive about to begin. So let's get your thoughts on what's happening on the other side of the world there right after these important messages. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'd like to encourage our listeners to visit VictorHanson.com. You'll find links to all of Victor's appearances on other podcasts and radio shows, the things he writes at American uh, Greatness and other entities, and the things he writes exclusively for VictorHanson.com. They're ultra articles. How can you read them? Well, if you subscribe, you can read them. If you don't subscribe, you can't read them. And if you're a Victor Davis Hanson lover, you're going to want to read them. So five bucks gets you in the door and $50, uh, the reduced rate for an annual subscription. Right now, there's a, I don't know if it's at the end of the series, but it's part four of what the left tells us about the left. Another great series of um, exclu- original and exclusive thoughts that Victor does for, again, victorhanson.com. Um Victor, I was looking at uh, the Drudge Report headline, Putin's secret attack plan would be Ukrainian nightmare. So it seems like an offensive is uh, brewing. The Ukrainians are demanding more money. I thought I, I don't know if it was an analyst talking the other night on Fox to, to the effect of needing 400 to 500 billion dollars in additional military aid. Something about Germany will not give tanks unless America gives tanks. Um, and, and also Putin has unleashed these, uh, Russian criminals. Prisoners, uh, and they they are seem to be su- being somewhat successful where they're engaging so far. So anyway, the war that seemed like it was going to be over, and everyone was about to, you know, Ukraine's won, winning. It's, yeah, is, it's, uh, it's not ha- hasn't happened, and and yeah. things might go south. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to say that. It reminds me of that scene in the seventh book of Thucydides when the Athenian fleet is decided that they have one last chance to save this terrible expedition to Sicily. And they're going to put all of their triremes in the great harbor at Syracuse. You can still see it today. And they fight and you don't, the people, the army is lined up on the shore. And every time the Athenians sink a, uh, a Syracusan ship, they say, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. And then when they, when they get, we're losing, we're losing, we're losing. <laughs> because they have the point is he's trying to show how emotional it is and nobody has the ability to ascertain what's really going on. And we saw that with Ukraine, you know, it was Putin, 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 Putin was going to take Kiev, you, you know, and then they didn't. And then it's, Oh my God, Zelensky's Churchill. And we're going to give it. And there were people where I worked and said, this is going to be over by Christmas because they're now pushing this corrupt, incompetent. And no one just said, Rule number one, look at the comparative resources. The reason that Zelensky is still fighting is because of NATO and the United States is providing weapons and capital because Russia has 10 times the GDP, almost four times the population, 30 times the territory. As long as they're willing to do that, they can have a Verdun Stalingrad's Psalms stalemate. But we're starting to see that this warm winter winter is getting a little colder in Germany 
and they don't have and they're right on the verge of a border with Russia and Russia's talking more and more promiscuously that they're not going to lose. If they're going to lose, they're going to use nuclear weapons. And that is frightened some of our allies. And we're back home and people are pointing out, you know, you said 100 million and then it's 200 million. And you say you're not going to give Abrams tanks, but you're giving mobile what we would call in World War II parlance tank destroyers. In other words, it looks like a tank. It's got a mobile platform. It's probably got a 150 millimeter cannon on it. It looks just like an Abrams, but it doesn't have the armor to the same degree. But it's pretty much a mobile artillery platform. And the Germans are saying, well, you're not giving Abrams, so we're not going to give our leopards. And the leopard was sort of designed to nullify the latest, uh, I guess they're called T-90 Russian tanks. So the idea is if Zelensky can get 200 or 300 of these German tanks that are in the hands of NATO allies, then they can stop this offensive and blow them up and they, you know, they would do pretty well. But Germany doesn't want to do that because they feel that Putin is telling them privately that we view that as an escalation. And we are bewildered here in the United States because on the one hand, we know that during the Viet, going back to the Korean War, there were Russian pilots flying MiGs in Korea. There were Russian pilots and Russian anti-missile battery operators all around Hanoi that were killing Americans. They were supplying our enemies in Afghanistan to a certain extent in Iraq. So they do it all the time. So the fact that we are equipping uh, the Ukrainians is a little different, but there is a couple of differences that we're not talking about, Jack, is that Afghanistan was over in their territory, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't part of the former Soviet Soviet Union. Iraq was over in their territory. Vietnam was. So all of these fights in which they have supplied our enemies, they would say it's because they're in our back door. If you had another Cuban Missile Crisis, we know how paranoid you guys got. But if you were fighting all the time in Latin America and the Caribbean and we were supplying them right on your doorstep, or if you were fighting over a former state that had defected, then you would have a different attitude. We don't factor that in. But there is some there's some currency in that argument. And so now we're back where things are starting to favor the Russians. It's getting it's hard to to have a counteroffensive for the Ukrainians. Uh, the Russians are dug in. The Russians are close to their own border. They have short supply lines. The Russians are sending 300,000 more people up. Uh, the Russians are trying to forge a sort of de facto Chinese, Turkish, Iran memorandum of understanding, and they even have India sometimes buying their oil. So it's a very complex situation. And then the question is, what is the assumption of Joe Biden or our bipartisan foreign policy group? And I always look to see what Henry Kissinger says, because he does have a brilliant strategic mind. And he said, I, I disagree with him, but the other day at Davos, he said, there has to be some kind of strategic uh, breakthrough through negotiations. And he mentioned that Ukraine might want to be in NATO. I think that would be a mistake. But you can see that if you sat down and you said, we're going to arm Ukraine to the teeth, we're going to give them all the defensive weapons so you can't do this again. And then you said, but they're not going to be in NATO. 
And then you could negotiate uh, the Ukrainian territory that was annexed in 2014, compromise, plebiscite, something. And if you don't want to do that, you say that's rewarding Putin and all you're going to do is nullify the heroic a sacrifice of Ukrainians and the hundred thousand that may have died for nothing. And if that's what you believe, then what is your assumption of victory? What is the strategy? What is it going to take, according to our American uh, people in the media and the generals and everybody that they they want to, as I understand it, Jack, they want every single Russian out of Ukraine, including those who have been there since 2014 when they invaded under the Obama administration with impunity. So now the new strategy is, think about it, Jack, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama's reset failed, but we're not going to mention all the ways it empowered and appeased Putin. And then we were asleep at the wheel in 2014 when he grabbed Crimea and Eastern Ukraine, but we're not going to talk about it. But now anybody who says that we uh, should allow that to continue is a sellout. He's a Putin appeaser. It just isn't coherent. And what do they want to do? What, how are they going to get every Russian out from 2014? They're going to raid what? So they're going 450 miles into Ukraine now, destroy fuel and supplies it's, and bombers. Right. And as I said with Sammy, they they have prompted Putin to put air defense systems around Moscow. And they have taken out a capital ship in the Black Sea Fleet. You have to do more of that, it seems to me. If you want to get every rush now, you'd have to do the following. You'd have to get a lot of harpoon missiles, and you would have to blow up that entire fleet. You would have to get a lot more drones, and you would have to blanket the skies of... 400 miles within the Russian-Ukrainian border and hit supply trucks, convoys, supply depots, oil refineries, power plants. And you would probably have to get a fleet of three or 400 superior Western tanks and start having armor thrust into the borderlands to, to make them leave. And you're, and that's all going to be presumed uh that it will not incite Putin. And you'll have to say to Putin, you've done this to us in the past during the Middle East wars or Korea, Vietnam, as I said, and you're not going to escalate. We're not going to let you escalate. So you do not escalate. You do not talk about nuclear tactical weapons. You don't do this. I just don't think that's a viable strategy. If that is the strategy, if that's not the strategy, I don't think we have one. Right. And then the strategy after war after war is who's paying to clean up the mess? Well, you know right? that. You know yeah. that. We're thirty one trillion dollars in debt. So what Joe Biden is remember what the left is doing now with Joe Biden is that we're paying four hundred and fifty billion dollars in interest and we're letting in five to six million illegal entries since he's president. And the heritage has some astounding numbers. Uh, on the cost of that per person that needs immediate federal, local, state uh, entitlements to achieve some simulacrum of parity. But my point is, we're going to borrow a lot of money. We're going to borrow hundreds of billions of dollars and pay 6% on T-bills for it and send it over to Zelensky 
to bring back the 8 million people who fled, rebuild the infrastructure, the roads at all, the apartment buildings, and then have him come and have him an icon in his green T-shirt tell us it's not enough. Not enough. Sorry. Not enough. Yes. Not enough. And this is all predicated on the idea that the Ukrainian ambassador, if you go back to 2016, wrote an op-ed interjecting herself in a campaign, a pro-Hillary op-ed. Mr. Vindman, Colonel Lieutenant, I'm a Lieutenant Colonel Representative Nunez. Remember that exchange where yes. he corrected Devin Nunez and said that he was actually a Lieutenant Colonel and uh he was a U.S. citizen, but he was offered the defense ministry post, we're told, three times by Ukraine. And we had a lot of Ukrainians that have been involved in American politics is what I'm getting at. And the, the, the first impeachment of the president of the United States was knee deep in Ukrainian intrigue. I'll use that term. And so and Ukraine is at war, so they basically have a de facto martial law where they filter the news, filter this and that. And so it's a messy, dirty war, and the left has glommed onto it, not just because of humanitarian. Some of them are legitimately worried about, as I am, the 200,000 dead probably on both sides. But a lot of them see this as the magic key that unlocks the Putin door, and they think, you know what? We know that guy colluded with, with Trump. We know that that laptop was Russian disinformation. We know that that Nunes uh, memo was fake. We know that uh, James Clapper was right when he said that Donald Trump was a Russian asset. And now look at this, Ukraine. We see Putin and he's getting what he finally deserves. And that's how they look at it. It's It becomes for them just... It's weird. All of these yeah. leftists that told us that any time an American expeditionary force or supply ship or plane left our shores, it was imperialism and neocolonialism. And now it's on to Moscow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, well, they're destructive ideology. And here's real destruction. They thrill to it on, on what, whatever level they can get. And they libel anybody, anybody that that has any legitimate doubts. And I've had a lot of doubts at where I work. And with their other people, not about I, I'm, I'm very pro Ukrainian. I want them to win, but I just don't want them to win at a cost that's going to destroy their country and get the United States in a nuclear showdown with a sick dictator that has, I don't know, 5,600 deliverable and maybe 7,000 total nuclear weapons. Right. Putin has more nuclear weapons than all the countries in the world put together. We have about 53 or we have about 6,000 and then 53 may be deliverable. And then you add 200 here, 300 there, 400 India, Pakistan, China, France. And Putin's got more than all of that is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. So you yeah. got to be very careful in what you say and, and do. And But these people are just reckless. And where do we get the wherewithal? It's sort of, okay doesn't matter. We're the United States. We can get the next year supply committed of Javelin uh, right. anti-tank. That's 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 Ukraine's. Don't worry about it. Oh, the drones. We're giving them all the drones. Don't worry. And you know what? We just emptied 300,000 artillery shells from an Israeli depot that we use in conjunction with Israel. If it's an extremist and it needs suddenly to have uh, artillery and unlimited. Con that doesn't matter. No problem. We're, we're, we are sinking 
down as far as our ready uh, reserves in in men and material. And nobody talks about it. No one talks about it. Well, Victor, uh, speaking of no one talking about things, no one seems to have talked about who um, uh, leaked the Dobbs memo, the Dobbs uh, decision memo. And uh, we will get your thoughts on that right after this final important message. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'd like to make a little pitch for the thing I do. The Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic publishes a thing I write. It's called Civil Thoughts, a free weekly email newsletter that has a dozen plus recommended readings. My hope is you subscribe. You can do that at civilthoughts.com. There's no advertising. We're not making any money. We're not asking for money. It's just a little exercise and intellectualism. And My hope is that the readers of Civil Thoughts will say, hey, I never heard of this publication unheard u-n-h-e-r-d it's a pretty oh that wow they have great right what a great piece oh plow quarterly what an interesting magazine what a great essay on this or that so that's my my objective is to share interesting things i've come across in the previous week i think you'll like it sign up at civilthoughts.com so victor uh, the Dobbs, um, the draft of the Dobbs decision, which was leaked, be, uh, that maybe the first time that has happened in, uh, well, not maybe not the first time, but in in the last century of, of uh, Supreme Court decisions, and we're going to find who that leaker is, and has not been found. This, this the uh, the uh, Chief Justice came out this week, and. No dice. I don't know if it's shut down at the investigation, what, what there is of an investigation. Like it. It sounds like it. But, uh, I mean, honestly, there's a finite people, a finite number of people that could possibly have done this. I, I really don't believe the uh, what it merited in response, uh, investigative response, uh, came close to what was actually uh, done anyway, Victor? What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, it, it destroyed the trust of the court. So I don't think any of the nine justices can trust any of the clerks. Any you know meetings and oral give and take, they, they should just assume that it's going to leak. Sort of like the Trump administration, that any time there were people in the administrative 
state that were in meetings, you just assumed they were going to go out and leak. So they were going to talk about whether it was too wet for Trump to take in a helicopter. Somebody was going to leak and say he said the people who died at Normandy were suckers, even though 29 out of 30 said he didn't say that. Well, that's what that's what the Supreme Court has been reduced to. And then you know, the left says, well, maybe it was some right wing guy to to leak it so that they couldn't back out. Roberts couldn't get weak, but it's it's more likely that they leaked this to create because that was their. You just have to ask yourself which particular side of the ideological divide has targeted in um, non-traditional mechanisms means that Supreme Court. Which side wants to pack it? Which side wants to go storm and protest around the? Uh, justices' homes. Which side produced somebody who was who? Which side was the potential assassin on? Which side goes into restaurants and tries to force Kavanaugh out so he can't finish his dinner? And if it's one side, then it makes sense that that side would see nothing wrong with illegally leaking what well, is essentially a classified document. And so, yeah, I think the left did it. I think they feel that. Yeah, although it didn't stop the Dobbs decision, it galvanized people, and that and that momentum led all the way to the reaction of the Dobbs decision and the midterms. Into the midterms, so I think they, they, they think it's a success. Yeah, and remember about this administration; they have weaponized everything. So, if you're a DG, DOJ lawyer, prosecutor, are you and You've assigned somebody to work with the Supreme Court internal investigation team. You're, you're not going to ruin your career with all of these politicos and say, you know what, I'm going to go find this person, whoever it is. You're going to just say, you know what, things happen. And that's what this administration does. You had Christopher Ray at Davos yesterday saying, you know what, we have really started working with a very constructive relationship with Silicon Valley and social media. And everybody said, yeah, you have. (laughs) We know about James Baker and we know about uh, Adam Schiff and we know about your FBI 80 agents assigned to to trying to suppress the expression of American citizens stealthily and paying Twitter over $3 million. And yet he was bragging about it. And so I think what's happening to our country is that young people that go into Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google, Apple, Amazon, all of those places. Or they go into levels of government, the FBI, CIA, DOJ, IRS, CDC, and IH. They just understand that you're not going to go anywhere unless you're going to be woke or at least sympathetic to it. Right. And they make the necessary adjustments. Well, Victor, a la the generals, which you've talked about many times, generals who, you know, have have as part of their career plan getting on a corporate board after retirement. It seems like if you're an FBI agent today, a modern FBI agent, that a post FBI career in the Silicon Valley is is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Oh, absolutely, and it's not just. Uh... It's not just FBI. It was the entire uh, Obama. It was the entire Obama administration. Remember, they were EPA director that had the uh, fake name. What was her name? Windsor. And she was on she was writing and everything. And then she 
There was scandal after scandal after Obama's EPA director. And finally, she left. I think she ended up at where? She was an environmental uh, administrator for Apple, I think. And so the whole wasn't Anthony Fauci's daughter working for Twitter? She does. Yes. I think that Lisa Jackson, I may be wrong, but I I mean, as soon as she got into hot water, they just bailed her out and packed her off to Silicon Valley. It's kind of Silicon Valley's taken the place of the old New York investment firms. You remember when they had wanted to get rid of uh, Monica? Did they call Revlon up or something to offer eighty thousand dollars? Yeah, so, you know, just go over there and keep your mouth shut, and that's what they do. They just call those people with unlimited resources, and they and they gravitate back out to Silicon Valley. I'm sure isn't where's Jen Saki working now? I think she's working for I don't know, but. It's that's a logical place she's uh, right that will end up. Yeah. Hey, before we end, Victor, before we end, I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity here. Do you want to take a pot shot? <laughs> oh, that should be wrong. This is a wrong phrase of pot shot. But Alec Baldwin, do you have any? I, I know I, I had the, the, the temerity to ask you on a recent podcast about your thoughts on Prince Harry. That didn't, I, got, I got some feedback from some folks, you know, when Victor talking about People magazine kind of stories. But uh, anyway, Alec Baldwin has been such a, a, um, pontificator and kind of an insufferable virtue signaler for the last 30 years. And there's some comeuppance here. Poor lady that he killed and the other one that he injured. But uh, all right, I'm babbling. I'll shut up, Victor. Do you have anything you want to say about this? Yeah, the thing I understand that they had a quote unquote firearms expert, but, you know, she had the purple hair and all that. So. I'm not sure she grew up in a gun culture and understood the cardinal rule. Right. I think I was six years old when I got my first Daisy uh, BB gun. I was seven when I got my Crossman 22 caliber, 177 caliber pellet gun. And I was eight when I got my 22 short single shot Savage. And then I think I was nine when I got to use a pump 22 and a 20 gauge break open and then a 20. And by the time I was 10, my parents would say, okay, if you want to go shoot rabbits, go shoot a possum in the tree, go shoot squirrels, whatever you need to do, go do and take the 16 gauge pump shotgun or the, but my point is that every single time that was uttered, it was followed by this. Remember every gun is considered loaded under all circumstances, unless you double check it. And even when you double check it, you don't point it at somebody and you never pull the trigger thinking it is empty. Okay. So you have all of these Hollywood people who hate that gun culture. And it's very paradoxical because they don't know anything about it. So yes, there should have been people that check that. And Alan Dershowitz has written all this, but how could an anybody, an actor pick up that gun and I understand they have to shoot at people in all these scenes, modern and ancient, Western and detective movie. Yeah, I get that. But when you, before the cameras roll, why in the world would he not look at that gun and see what type of ammunition was there and what's the difference between a blank and a real bullet? And I don't, I mean, why didn't he do that? 
Or why didn't he shoot it once on the floor? And you're going to say, well, nobody does that. Well, everybody does who has guns. I don't yeah. know any one serious hunter or gun shooter who has ever taken a gun and pointed it at somebody and pulled the trigger with the certainty, 110% that it was that it was the guess, I suppose, or the supposition that it was mm -hmm. empty. They either, if they're going to do that, and they never do that, they look to make sure that the gun is not have live ammunition. And even if it doesn't, they don't point guns and shoot at people. So that was a real gun, obviously. So I don't understand why you couldn't have a facsimile that makes, you know, that was being right. capable of doing that. But, right. So he's charged with involuntary manslaughter. That seems to me quite appropriate. And he's a tragic figure because he does have, remember, he, there's been some movies where he has obvious talent, but he's become a character of himself. He's a buffoonish character now. And he's always in some psychodrama. I remember he had his new wife who said that she was Hispanic or Latino and found out she just went out to a Spanish island vacation with her parents and was all made up. She yeah. Was, speaking English with a Spanish accent and she didn't really speak Spanish. Just a joke. So, and she has seven. I think they have seven know, He kids. always has these outbursts. They have that tape where he's yelling at his daughter. Remember that? And just bullying pig. her. Yeah, he called her a pig, pig I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's not a nice person. He's not a good person. He's he's a complete hypocrite paradox. I don't... I mean, yeah. this was a tragic situation, but ultimately he's the person who pulls a trigger, a gun, pointing at somebody, no matter what the circumstances, has a degree of culpability. I have never, I've had, I, in my upstairs, I probably have 12 guns all around. I don't have any handguns because I have grandkids, but I have, I can swear at 69, I have never, ever pointed a gun at anybody and pulled the trigger. Even when I knew that it was empty, I did not do that. I've been so ingrained since I was six, seven, eight, nine, that if you ever point a gun at somebody, I can even be remember being told when you walk with your friends from high school and you know kids that are 17 with automatic 22s will have a tendency to shoot anything that moves. My father always said, you do not point the gun at an angle at the ground. You might hit their feet. You do not swing the gun. I don't want you to be with a group of young boys that have guns. I like you. If they insist on doing it, you step back from them and you do not do what they do because they will do something wrong. I think everybody's had, I had hunter safety course when I was mm -hmm. seven years old where we had, you know, my mom, my mom would take us after work and go out to the Reedley high school gym and shoot 22 targets. And we got lectured ad nauseum. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't swing the gun this way. Don't. And I, the idea that people without that training or that acculturation would just take a gun and shoot and say, it's not my fault. She, it was her responsibility. Yeah. It's just absurd. And, and the people and who say it's not absurd don't know anything about guns. Yeah. It's, you know. But, I didn't pull the trigger either, which so good. Yeah, I think good it's really there. important for kids. That's one thing I really like about Hillsdale College. They they try to tell people that guns are an, a part, part and parcel of the American experience, but they just don't preach. They have a, a up-to-date, 
state-of-the-art gun range and people take courses they learn how to do it safely they learn how to shoot they do learn how to be responsible and they neither glorify nor are terrified of firearms right that's the way it should be and you know there were people in the revolutionary period that said you know the bill of rights there's only one amendment that mattered and that was the second because that gave you the ability to protect yourself to ensure that all of the other amendments were not abrogated by government. So it's essential, the Second Amendment. But my God, if you're if you don't have people who who know how to use them, it's it's sort of scary. Well, Victor, we're just almost out of time. And as we do every episode at the end of the podcast, we thank our listeners no matter what platform they have come to this show on. Thanks, if, especially if you're a new listener. Well, I should say, especially if you've been with us for a long time. Thanks to all uh, those folks who do uh, download or listen through Apple or iTunes can leave ratings, zero to five stars. Practically everyone leaves five star. Thank anyone who rates. Thank you. And some people leave comments. And here's one. And it's titled Just Joe. And... He writes, I first discovered VDH listening to John Gibson radio over a decade ago. Immediately, I realized I found a connection to one of the most important voices in modern life. He's become part of my everyday since then, whether it is his books, podcasts, guest appearances, commentaries and lectures all make perfect sense to my beliefs, opinions and what I believe should be every citizen's way of life. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and life to better my own. Now, if I could only pass you on to my young and experienced, naive, woke children, I would die a happy man. That's Very nice. Joe, Joe Sanja. Thank you, Joe. And thanks, everybody else. I really like John Gibson. You know, he I used to do his radio show a lot. And he, he had that four o'clock slot on. Remember that? A real, yeah, a long time ago. A long ago. time ago yep. before uh, who took it over. I, I don't know. It was, oh, I think it was Megyn Kelly initially that took over and she did a wonderful job, but yeah. then he went on to radio and I used to do a lot. He's from Fresno. So we had a common reference, oh. point, reference point. At least he was in Fresno for a large, but he's a wonderful person. Okay. Well, um, Hey Victor, thanks for everything you shared today. And thanks again, listeners. We will, we will be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson show. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you have moderate to high stress, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wrecks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings. Now, the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels help optimize metabolism and keep your appetite under control. If your life is a bit stressful and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com and enter VICTOR15. That's promo code VICTOR15 at takelean.com, takelean.com. 
Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease and is not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider.